Today's story makes reference to a subject which some people might find disturbing. The story is not descriptive or graphic about the incident, but makes reference to it. Stories are a projection of a better future. My name is Osadumebi, and every week I would tell you a short story written by a Nigerian writer or author. That's the long and short of it. So without much ado, this week's story is by Dumebi Obuli, and it's titled 13. The clarity was frightening. I could see every face, hear every voice, the sobs and screams. The Sand, African Adventure 4, aptly described by Dulox. The smell of the jungle, flora and fauna mixed with gunpowder residue. Retracing my steps would mean destroying my safe houses. I would be without my hiding places, my protection from the past. Every house needs to be destroyed so you can be free. That was Rafa's voice. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. My heart stopped. I remembered my Lamas classes from Zara and Zulu's birth and inhaled deeply. My heart resumed, beating at the velocity of drummers hammering away on the Iba. Miraculously, it stayed in its cage. I took another step. The crazy frog? My alarm. Saved by the bell. Oh, 700 hours. The dream was getting more frequent, replaying the same scene over and over. The alarm had not woken Udo. Udo, hon, wake up, I said, rolling out of our king-sized bed. Today was the twins' birthday. They turned 13. Same age I was when I was abducted by... Are you okay? Udo asked. Yes. He wasn't convinced. My voice had given me away. Call Rafa. I will be fine. Rafa was an expert in post-traumatic stress disorders, and I'd been seeing him for six years. He worked with me using cognitive behavioral therapy. It was effective until my hippocampus blew a fuse a couple of years back. He wanted to step things up a notch. Exposure therapy. The thought of relieving my five-year ordeal scared the hell out of me. The safe houses were doing a great job, thank you very much. Out of sight, out of mind. Besides, I was okay. I had a good life, and I was coping fine. Zara and Zulu would not come out of their rooms without the signal. Mini breakfast in bed. Well, on the landing, now they had separate rooms. This was the last year for this tradition. They were now in their teens, and it wasn't cool anymore. We had a year to come up with something different. 
Pudu and I went downstairs to the kitchen. He made the drinks. A cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and two cups of hot chocolate. While I got the cakes ready. As I got out the numbered candles, my hands started to shake. I pulled the stool towards me and sat at the breakfast bar. Udo was reading out the checklist for the day, and I responded with appropriate sounds indicating yes, no, or maybe. I hoped he hadn't noticed. Take two. Deeper concentration. Candles in cake. Each thirteen seemed to glare at me. I shook my head to clear the descending fog and picked up the lighter. First, the three. No, this was not a fuse. Then, the one. Pause. Reversing the sequence made it easier. Next cake. First, the three. No, I wasn't setting another village on fire. Then, the one. I looked up in triumph. I thought I had done it quickly and without much effort. But Udo was looking at me. Goodness knows for how long. He had read me like a book. He walked towards me, tray of drinks in his hands, and said, Call Rafa. He kissed me on the lips and led the way out of the kitchen. Udo. I tried to warn him, to talk him out of being with me, but he wouldn't listen. I tried every trick in the book and some others besides, but he wouldn't leave. Our vows meant something to him. I meant something to him. I don't think he's human. I've never told him the full story, but thanks to my years of some Niloki, I'm sure he's pieced enough together. We walked back upstairs singing, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Bogov. Buy one, get one free. That was their cue. Doors flew open. They must have been waiting, hands on handle, probably whispering across the corridor to each other before our ascent. The landing was our meeting place. Udo placed the tray of drinks on the floor and disappeared into our bedroom. He returned with a camera in one hand, bags with presents in the other. Zara, she Zara McBerry, blew her candles out first. She was two and a half minutes older than her brother and would not let Zulu, Chizulumoke, forget it. I was being a gentleman, ladies first and all, was his usual playful response whenever she tried to pull rank. If he really wanted to wind her up though, he would add, first in birth, first in death. Wishes made. Candles extinguished. Cake slices eaten. Next came the squeal and the grunt of approval as they tore into their presence and Udo clicked away on the camera. They each got the latest MacBook Air. In addition, Zara got a Tiffany bracelet and vouchers from her favorite retailer. Zulu got a new basketball kit and a pair of trainers. 
Thanks, they both chirped, still enamored with their gifts. Udo and I started clearing the landing. Mom? You were 13 when Meme happened, right? I froze, unsure where this was heading. That's right, Zara. It doesn't matter what happened or what you did. You're the best mom there is, she said. I second that, Zulu said, wrapping his lanky hands around my neck. He continued. We love you and hope you'll be okay. Zara draped herself over her brother and me. I hugged them. Tight. Tears slipped out. Sandwiched between so much innocent adolescent love and admiration, it was hard to extract myself from their embrace. They knew I was receiving treatment for Memme, an event which occurred in my childhood. That was all we told them. They were too young to hear or understand anything else. How do you explain child soldiers to a 13-year-old? How do you explain them to anyone? I was 45 and still struggling with it. I was 13 when our village was raided. I witnessed my parents' murder. Don't ask me how. That memory is locked up in safe house number one. After my abduction, I quickly realized that dwelling on the past was no good if I was to survive. I don't know why I tried so hard to survive. Death would have been a better alternative, but death was weakness in that strange, violent world. I wasn't going to give my abductors that pleasure. Staying alive was my only stand of defiance. Boot camp was hell. Safe house number two. Innocence was replaced with grief, anger, hatred, bitterness, and a plethora of other emotions. I learned quickly. Show no emotion, and do not crack, at least not in front of your trainers. It was easier to see them as enemies or maybe even victims. The bottom of the pile was no place to be. I had to get to the top, or at least the first rung of the ladder. Pleasing my male superiors off the field was easy. I had been groomed well from the first day I was abducted. It was only fair that I started taking advantage of the situation. The manipulated became the manipulator. I was past guilt and shame. I lived by a code, the morality of which I refused to rationalize. The perks at the top drove me to depths of human depravity as I advanced within the ranks. My regiment was handpicked, some of the best in the entire army. A nod from me and Kakiri was torched with its unyielding inhabitants. A flick of my finger and Entebbe met the same fate. Children were spared alongside the finest women. Spoils suitable for tribute to strengthen my position and most importantly, protect the lives of those in my command. I was facing a life sentence with no hope of parole, but after five years, I felt a hand on my shoulder and I flinched. 
not at the touch, but the memories. My face was wet. I didn't know I was crying. He held me, his warm breath on my neck releasing the built-up tension in my shoulders. Mom, what time are we meeting Aunt Alex and Uncle Nick? Zara called out from upstairs. 11.30, honey, Udo responded. We have to pick up your friends before heading out. Be ready for 10. Tell your brother. When I calmed down, he pulled away, handed me the box of tissues and the telephone. He wasn't asking me. He was telling me. I dialed the number. It was ringing. The crazy frog? My alarm. Oh, 0700 hours. The dream was getting more frequent. Same scene, over and over. The clarity was real. I saw every face. Heard every voice. The sobs and screams. The sand. African blood red. It was raining. The jungle smelt of plants and animals and gunpowder residue. This memory will be locked away in yet another safe house. My heart was beating at the velocity of drummers hammering away on the Iba. Miraculously, it remained in its cage. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Four years and counting. Rafa. Udo. Zara. Zulu. They exist. Somewhere. Sometime. There has to be life after this. This is where I tell you about the writer who also happens to be the storyteller, me. My name is Osa Dumebi, but everybody calls me Dumebi. I'm a project management professional by day and a voiceover artist at night. I don't write as often as I should. I do a lot more reading, beta reading and editing included. And now I help Nigerian writers and authors transform their written work to audio and then make it available to a wider audience via audiobook platforms and through this podcast. So if you've got a story you'd like to be featured on this podcast or a published book you'd like to make into an audiobook, I would love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram at Osadumebi. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, tell a friend that stories are a good escape for a few minutes each week.